Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this is a big year the ohio lottery's golden anniversary 50 years of excitement of growing jackpots and crossed fingers 50 years of funding for schools of changed lives and brightened days 50 years of fun and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Today on The James Altucher Show. To run for president is the most humiliating thing you can ever do because everything that happens to you is criticism. Everything. Oh, believe me, I've done more humiliating things, but uh, go ahead. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's the same thing I would tell any candidate that asked me. Because, in fact, I was meeting with um, a celebrity guy who wanted to run for office recently. And I, and I said, I don't think it's going to work. And he's like, why not? And I said, because in order to be effective, you have to have money. What You know, the golden rule, the one with the gold makes the rules, right? Uh, you have to raise money. 90% of your time as an office holder, you got to raise money. Yeah. 90. People have this uh, romantic vision that they're going to run for office. And I know you, you know, ran, but like traditional running for politics, right? right? Is, you, oh, I'm going to go out there and I get to talk about my issues. No, no, you don't. No, you get to sit in a, in a small room with a phone in front of you, making calls 24-7, asking people for money. It's humiliating. It's not fun. And it's really, really hard work. And the ones that grind it out and say, I don't care, I'll do whatever it takes to win, those are the ones that win. 
It's the candidates that go, I'm gonna go knock on every door in my district. So you, so you thought you felt uh, your sense was that this celebrity you were talking to wouldn't be able to put his full heart into it, into raising money, into knocking no, on every I, door? No, I typically try to talk anybody that says to me they want to run, I talk them out of it. And there's no exceptions? Like, there's nobody who's just so popular yeah, for yeah, being Blooper. like a war? He doesn't have to raise money. But like, okay, uh, what about like a John McCain when he first ran in Arizona? Was he such a war hero? Oh, but well, he had his helps. wife's money too. His, his, his wife yeah, had like but it helps, million. But he also had to raise a lot of money. Yeah. But 99% of candidates don't have that kind of brand. Yeah. You know, they just don't have a brand. And again, I'm not political. I, I know. Again. You, actually, and this is true. We've had a lot of political conversations. You really are not political. You're just totally fascinated by the game. So excited for this podcast because lately I've gotten really into the, like everybody else in the country, really, I can't just say me, but everybody's into the election. It's just, it's kind of a fascinating race, but I have with me our old friend of the podcast, Phil Stutz, author of Fire Them Now. Also has been, he, he, he's involved in the online campaigning, digital marketing, online data profiling for many, many elections, including three winning presidential elections, including uh, being involved in some target state wins for Trump, who, 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 who obviously won the presidency. Plus you've been involved in many governor races, other races and so on. Don't no matter. I, I don't care what side of pol politically anybody's on. This is all just about strategy games, marketing. You handle both Republicans and Democrats. We're going to talk about the presidential race and you. Uh, so first off, Phil, before I continue the intro, hello. Hey, <laughs> Good Welcome back. back. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention one thing. In, back in September, early September, you were on the podcast. We might have even done the interview in August. And this was long before the Iowa caucus. A, a young mayor by the name of Pete Buttigieg was in fourth or fifth place then, at least behind Biden, um, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. I don't know who, who else. Then maybe it was Buttigieg. And you said to me on that podcast, you said Buttigieg was going to win or had the highest chance of winning. And you explained why, and you explained the data and the statistics and the history. And so I went on a prediction market uh, <laughs> where you're allowed to bet on the outcomes. Yeah. Like these prediction markets are amazing. Like I've bet on the outcomes of Brexit. I've bet on how many tweets Donald Trump will do in a particular month. But I, I went all in on Pete Buttigieg winning Iowa. Yeah. And man, that was, it was great. Like I'm one of the, they have a ranking of predictors. I'm like one of the top predictors now just because of that one bet yeah cool. so and bloomberg's helped me out a little too right because i went inappropriately too much on bloomberg mm. and he just he just won out of i mean not one i've actually pulled that bet off completely fortunately yeah. but there was a brief period a couple of weeks ago where the media was declaring him a winner until the recent debate right and so i i popped on that one and that helped but uh thank you for the mayor i, I owe you a really good steak dinner <laughs> on that one uh and so all right, where are you seeing right now? Here we are. What's what's the day today? It's February twenty fifth. South Carolina yeah. debates tonight. Um, yeah. South Carolina elections this weekend. This weekend. And then what's and then you have a, a bunch of states Super on Tuesday. Tuesday is coming up. Yeah, is that this coming no, Tuesday it's or the, the first, week after? Uh, March second, whatever that Tuesday is. So so just to say where we're at, like Bernie Sanders has won in. Uh, he he got all together. He's got the most delegates after Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, which is sort of meaningless, right? You need nineteen hundred delegates to win. 
and he's got 26 or something. Yeah. But why why are the newspapers kind of saying, oh, he's yeah. it's, he's unstoppable now? He's only got 26 out of 1,900. So you and Robin and I had this conversation like in December when you were asking me about Bloomberg, and I said, I didn't think he had a ch- shot. And you said, why? I said, well, the model is Giuliani kind of tried to do this in 2008, skip the early states and run in Florida and win Florida, right? Now, way different money situation going on. Like Bloomberg's got more, has spent more money than probably anybody in the history of American- Over 400 million Political primaries, right? Um, So that's a little different than what Giuliani, but the model is this. The media controls so much of the race. And so they, you know, Iowa, if it it was gonna have a different narrative had this, but the whole state got blown up because of the Democrats couldn't run their their own caucus, right? So- even though like Buttigieg won technically by like a very few number of votes, Bernie ended up getting more delegates. It was a whole wash in the media. Like that could have been a huge launching pad for Buttigieg and it, it didn't, it wasn't right because of the screw up in, in Iowa. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I have a few questions. So didn't, this is what I don't understand. The new software they were using to count the votes, it was called shadow, which is such a, dumb name for a, a political software. It's like really poor branding. But there was also, I saw some news story where Mayor Pete's organization and even Hillary Clinton's organization helped fund the development of this software. Is that yeah. true or was that? Yeah, I mean, that's, that that has been reported as, as true. Listen, in 2004 on the Bush reelection campaign, I was running the Get Out the Vote program and we had a database kind of it was on a Palm Pilot back then. But basically, we were supposed to get reported numbers back from polling precincts. They'd be uploaded, and then we could track the voting going on in real time in target states. And then we'd be able to deploy assets all throughout the day, and that the whole thing crashed, right? It didn't work. And we were like, why didn't it work? And then in 2012, Romney tried this. It's called Orca. They had this app that they were going to use. Who's and, naming these software and it, packages, it by the way? it completely blew up and crashed, right? Here's why. And this thing crashed in Iowa. Because people that vote are old. They don't want to look at, they don't even look at, they have flip phones still. And they're supposed to be trained. If they're going to be trained to use these kind of data mechanisms, these apps that report numbers, they need to be trained over a six-month period every single week because it's so difficult for them. Instead, some people didn't even get any training and the whole thing exploded because the people weren't trained to put this thing in the, in the database. Not only did the app like apparently not work, people weren't trained to utilize the app properly. So as a sidebar to what your original question is, is like you, old people are the ones involved on the ground on election day. I'm, I'm for primaries. For, for any kind of election. Really? It's okay. just what it is. Old people vote, young people don't. I don't care what you tell me about all the Bernie bros or, you know, people said uh, the youth vote was going to turn out for Obama. It was a, like, mi- minuscule uptick, right? It just doesn't happen, right? So just keep that in mind. But to go back to your question, right? So there was no momentum for Buttigieg out of the primary. Actually, Bernie probably got more momentum and he went in New Hampshire and then New Hampshire. So what happened when Bernie went to Hampshire is, oh my goodness, he's won more delegates in two states in a row. So the media is going to control the narrative. He just took the Northeast. He just took the working class white voters. Oh my God. Now we're going to go to Nevada. And the Nevada is going to be unions and Hispanics, right? That's the big Nevada vote. And it's so now Bernie has won the union vote and he's won a lot of the Hispanic vote in Nevada. Now the media narrative is, oh my God, he's got the minority votes. He's got the union votes. He's got the white working votes. This is Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. 
Bloomberg's still sitting back there not being able, no, no one's talking about him. Well, well, it's and, funny because- And then the debate, it, it, like it was his one chance to get back in the media narrative. And here's what happens in those debates. You got a billionaire who has a billionaire's ego. He, to run for president is the most humiliating thing you can ever do because all you're done, everything that happens to you is criticism. Everything. Oh, believe me, I've done more humiliating things, but, but uh, go I ahead. No doubt. <laughs> and I understand that he's mayor and he got criticized a lot, but on that debate stage, think about this. Pete Buttigieg was attacking Mayor Bloomberg, right? Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of a, hundred, a city of 100,000, I think he ended up, I, I, I don't know this number, but something like, in order to win, he ended up getting like 12,000 votes or something like that, right? right? It's the fourth largest city in Indiana. Right. But it <laughs> and was he like, lost for a statewide election. He has 100,000 in the city, you know, 50% of them don't vote. You know, he went to, like, he had 12,000 votes to win. Right. Right. Bloomberg is running like one of the big was running one of the biggest economies in the world. Yeah, three terms by the uh, way, which And he's getting attacked by this guy, you know? And yeah. Like your ego is like what like you're so shell-shot that someone would attack you because not only are you uh one of the richest men in the world, you've been a mayor of New York. Like So Mayor P might disappear after this election. No, he'll stick around. The reason no, I mean disappear like Bloomberg will take care of him. You you dared insult me on the debate stage? No, because he's irrelevant now. Um, Buttigieg is out. It's over, right? Warren, it's out. It's over. Why is Warren out? Well, who, wh her voting base is Bernie voters. I know. So She had to win the one-on-one -on -one battle with Bernie. So somehow, like, I thought New Hampshire would be battleground between Sanders and Warren because she's Massachusetts. Right. He's Vermont. They're right Which next to New why Hampshire. she's... Yeah, she's out. Because because it's signaled that she can't even control her, her backyard. But, like, I thought it would be a little closer between her and Bernie in New Hampshire, but it just wasn't. Well, there's another internal. This is It is all inside baseball, but I, it's yeah, pretty, inside pretty fun. Yeah, that's why we're here. So, uh, like, I don't even like baseball. So, like, two weeks ago, Warren withdrew all her ads out of South Carolina. Like, she, she had planned to buy millions of dollars worth of ads in South Carolina, and she pulled all of them. And she put them into Nevada and Super Tuesday states. So that tells me, oh, she knows she's going to lose. So she's out in South Carolina now, right? This, this is, is the, like a Hail Mary pass. Like she just took, it's not even a Hail Mary pass. She pulled all of her ads. She's not running ads in South Carolina. She said, I concede without saying it. So then she put ads and she transferred that money into the Nevada caucus and then to Super Tuesday primaries. Well, she got killed in Nevada. She didn't even get double digits. So she's not even getting delegates out of Nevada. So- like, there's no pathway for her. There's no pathway for her. There's no pathway for Buttigieg. The only reason they're staying in is, man, it's, you have a pretty good platform when you're running for president. And then you, the second, like, look at Andrew Yang. Well, no one's talking about him anymore. Yeah. And so it's hard. So really, South Carolina is going to come down to Biden or Bernie. That's it. Okay. This, I, I, gosh, there's so many questions now. Uh, so many things to unpack. So first off, I feel like before that debate with Bloomberg where uh, Elizabeth Warren tore, tore him apart mm -hmm. and it was on all the media everywhere, I feel like the media was, even though Sanders had won Iowa and New Hampshire by that point, the media and the Democratic establishment was so afraid of Sanders getting the nomination or is so afraid yes. that they were kind of declaring Bloomberg the winner. I mean, they were debating who should be Bloomberg's VP nominee. They were saying, should it be Hillary Clinton? Nobody, they weren't saying that about Sanders. Like I, and I kept trying to think just again, whether or not it doesn't matter who you like, I was just trying to think from a game point of view, why were they doing that? Yes. Bloomberg's got an advantage on money, of course, but 
why were they automatically defaulting to him as if he was the winner? Not even saying Sanders. Who, Bloomberg? Yeah, like no, I, I that, felt like the New York Post I, was kind of really building him up. No, I, 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 and the I, Times. I would just say I disagree. Bloomberg got annihilated in the press, in the polling. He got crushed in internal polling. So internal polling versus uh, outside polling. So like media polling, stuff like that. I don't pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. I pay attention into what's being reported from inside the campaigns because that's the winner die mentality. If you're polling, if I'm a pollster in Bloomberg's campaign, I'm either right or I'm out of business. But but isn't internal polling though a way of campaigning as well? well so so when I call you up, I, I'll, I'll ask the questions so that you kind of lean towards Bloomberg. Um, well, that doesn't really help if you're trying to determine how you're going to win. So I feel like there's two types of polling within campaigns. There's one where you, it's really campaigning. You're calling, you're, right, that's called push polling, right? Okay. So you may want to do that because you want to get a press release out to say you're winning the race, right? right? That definitely happens, by the way. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like we're trying to gauge where our vulnerabilities are. How do you get the internal polling? Well, you, you have a, we have a poll, we have polling firms that we work with. And we do a poll for the candidate and then we deliver the results to the candidate that doesn't go public. So how do I get it? Oh, because it gets, now people in the campaign are just, just people in politics are the worst people in the world, right? So they just leak it. Like everybody leaks everything. I don't understand. Even if their candidate's losing? Even in the like Trump administration, people just leak everything. And like, it is such an an anathema to me because I I would never, like, I'm, maybe it's just, I'm a loyal, I've never leaked, I've never leaked in 25 years of politics. I've never leaked anything to any press, any time. I'm, I'm a loyal like soldier to the people we work with, but, um, but the polling went really bad for Bloomberg. Everybody harped on Warren and said, Oh my God, Warren, she got him. She got him. You know, it was this great media narrative. It didn't move her numbers at all. In fact, and did it change his numbers? It changed Bloomberg's numbers. He went down. Bernie okay. went up. Warren also either stayed stagnant or went down. The media didn't report it that way. The media was so excited because they liked the fight that sells more newspaper and more ad dollars. Don't forget, that's the whole reason for this, right? In the media. But but ultimately, people saw Warren and it grated on them, voters. It grates really? on them, yes. Because it, it's, now I, again, I always have to keep repeating this. I'm not gonna repeat it anymore, but I'm not, this is not political or anything. Yeah, 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 me. I, I, I don't really, know even a little i know bernie sanders issues and we could discuss them i actually don't really know warren's issues although i imagine they're similar to sanders but it seemed to me her attack on bloomberg showed her to be an effective brute which is what you need to be to be president of the united states a little bit her her it's over though it's over for her and so you're you're saying her internal polling must show her as coming in dead last in south carolina and she won't be dead last but She's going to, you, you have to hit a threshold in order to get delegates. Yeah. She has no delegates or very minimal delegates to this point. And there's no path for her to get delegates. Here's the thing. Unless something like I could see Biden winning the South Carolina primary, barely, barely beating Bernie. And then the media is going to, you trust me on this. The media is going to go, Biden's back. The comeback kid, he's back. And then super Tuesday, it's all going to be about Biden, which is going to help Biden. Right. And that's going to hurt Bloomberg. Um, and, but right now, Bernie is probably going to pick up more delegates on super Tuesday than anybody else. And even more than Bloomberg, Bloomberg's going to yes. probably spend another 600 yeah. million between now yeah. and super Look, Tuesday. Th- don't forget. I, I said this in the last podcast. I said it again, there's a, this isn't totally perfect, but bloom or, but Bernie's has a ceiling and it's also his floor. Like he's got this constant support that can't be moved. Right. 
Like there are just a certain number of uh, primary voters out there that are going to all in for, for Bernie. They don't care what he says, what he does. And by the way, we've seen this before. Look at what happened four years ago with Trump. You, you had all these candidates like uh, Rubio and Christie and Cruz, and they're screaming and hollering, and they're like, you know, uh, Rubio wins Minnesota and Cruz wins Iowa. But ultimately, they couldn't get past the fact that Trump's people weren't going to move. They weren't moving to someone else. And they kept splitting all the vote. But Trump's numbers stayed the same. It's the ex- almost the, it's crazy how weirdly it's exactly the same it is, including the fact that at this point four years ago, Chris Christie in a debate cut off the legs of Marco Rubio when he should have gone after Trump. But he killed Rubio because they, both Cruz and Rubio and Christie all said they trying to get into a one-on-one matchup with Trump because that's where they thought they could win. Mm. But no one dropped out of the race. So they kept splitting all the vote and Trump had the highest percentage. What's the same thing going on now? The Democratic, a lot of the Democratic Party is like screaming for Buttigieg and Warren to get out. But they're like, no, we're not getting out. So and, they're going to split with with the, the vote on a lot of different levels. And that hurts Bloomberg's chances because a one-on-one match with Bloomberg and Bernie probably would be very beneficial to Bloomberg. But unless everybody gets out, that's just not going to happen. What if, and you know, there's speculation that Obama might... Uh, say, hey, everybody except X, and he picks his X, uh, everybody get out uh, so that the Democratic Party has a chance. Yeah, would would I, people follow him? I'd say that there is a 99% chance that's not going to happen because he is never going to expend his political capital ego. Right, because he's so far his above it all. He's got, why would he put any leverage yeah. behind this? Right, like he doesn't care anymore. It doesn't matter to him. So, um, so, so okay, Elizabeth Warren, I feel like there was kind of the one-on-one battle for the sort of semi-socialist mm-hmm. alt-left people. There was a battle between Warren and Sanders. You're saying Sanders has won. You know, the the, the events of these caucuses and, and primaries have shown that Elizabeth Correct. Warren just really couldn't compete on that level. Um, is a reason that there's that uh, Warren and Buttigieg are still in the race? I would say it might be twofold. Like you said, they get a platform so they can keep talking right? They keep showing up at the debates. Also, probably the longer they stay in the election, the more money there is for them on the backside. Like if Pete Buttigieg decides to be an analyst for or have his own TV show for MSNBC, some multi-million dollar deal, or if he gets and, a book deal absolutely. or a Netflix deal. I mean, this is, I mean, the media crushed Republicans four years ago because they said that's why a lot of these guys run for office is to get their TV contracts, right? And then what happens when Andrew Yang gets out? He becomes a TV, he gets a contract with CNN, right? So, but you don't hear that same criticism, right? So, but that's exactly what it is. But here's the thing. What is Buttigieg going to do when he's off the national stage? Go back and be mayor at 100,000 town? That ego isn't going to handle no, that. No, he's got, he's got, all these people have raised money too, right? right. So they have kind of uh, some political clout because they could use that money for either a next election or. Well, they're all positioning themselves right now to be VP. Right. So that's the other reason I was going to ask. Is, is that a reason why they stay in? Because that could oh. that could go against them if they get zero votes in every state. Uh, how how convincing is it to make them a VP? Although I guess Obama did it with Biden in two thousand eight. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, I, that's why they're in. Clinton right did that with Gore in nineteen ninety two. Yep. Gore yep. ran. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, with Mayor Pete though, again, I'm not sure what all like like or with Elizabeth Warren. Why is she pouring money now into Super Tuesday states? Why doesn't she kind of like hoard the money a little bit? so that she could just stay in 
for as long as possible and not spend the money because well, the money might be used for political make, clout. You, because it's she it the pressure will be so great on her if after Super Tuesday she hasn't done anything significant. Like it'll be overwhelming, she'll drop out. My prediction is underwhelming performances in Super Tuesday eliminate Warren and Buttigieg. So then it'd be Biden, Bloomberg, and Bernie, the bees, the old bees. And what about the literally think about that? Old septuagenarian white guys on top of the ticket for the democratic party yeah i mean uh what was the what was isn't there a, a saying wasn't there a saying change with the word change in it didn't the democrats have a saying like uh, the audacity <laughs> of change i can't i can't remember now there there was some i thought it was some obama quote about change what was it see wasn't it hope and change i don't know uh, but anyway that's their hope and, and change and again i'm not political I know again. You, actually and this is true we've had a lot of political conversations you really are not political you're just totally fascinated by the game yeah I right. mean I got closest when with with some of Yang's stuff but then I got disappointed in Yang's performance in the debates and right. I don't like didn't like the way he was Yang did, Yang or, Bern, or uh, Bloomberg pulled a Yang he just sat there silently and took it the other yeah in that, in that debate well and I think I think the great thing about Yang is is that he had a base that was probably more excited if you measure a level of excitement mm -hmm. the average excitement of the yang gang was probably higher than anyone else's it was just a small base yeah well maybe bernie's maybe bernie's too mm -hmm. and so uh okay so what's okay so you were gonna say though Giuliani, you know bloomberg's trying to pull giuliani with right. his campaign for right. super tuesday it didn't work for giuliani because by the time this is in 2008 the media has created the narrative that bernie's won hispanics that bernie's uh, let's say it's South Carolina. Let's go to South Carolina. Yeah. Most right now, it's literally neck and neck. Biden has fallen down. I think 61% of the primary in South Carolina is African-American. Biden way overperforms with African-Americans, right? But if Bernie were to finish close second or first, then it's Bernie has enough of the African-American vote. He already is going to get credit for taking the Hispanic vote in Nevada. He gets credit for taking the labor vote in Nevada. He gets credit for taking the progressive uh, white liberals in Iowa for virtually finishing, for, I mean, in a tie for first with Buttigieg. Um, and the working class uh, white voters in New Hampshire, he'll get credit for. That's, the, that's what the media is going to report. The media also is going to report on, you know, they want to report on the fight and the, and, you know, they're more involved in the process and things like that. But that's the narrative. So when the time that Bloomberg finally gets on the ballot, which is Super Tuesday, there is this one month long narrative about Bernie and people have locked in on Bernie. And a lot of times like primary voters in these Super Tuesday states, people like being with the winner. This well, is what happened with Trump. Again, there, it's crazy how similar this is. And we, I lived that whole thing. So, because we did work at the time, we started... We had a lot of candidates in 2016. We started out with Bobby Jindal. Then we ended up doing uh, super PAC work for Ted Cruz in Iowa when he won Iowa. Then we ended up uh, firewalling our company and doing some work for Marco Rubio in Minnesota. He won Minnesota. Um, and then we ended up doing super PAC work for Trump after the nomination was won. Uh, we did two super PACs. So uh, we were involved heavily in the primary and through the general. And I've seen this. This is, it's crazy how similar this is. Like, I don't understand why the media doesn't look back and say, we've seen this before, you know, but they don't want to. They want to talk about the fight. Uh, they want to talk about, you know, and then then you've got a part of the media that is naturally liberal, but they go, oh my God, Bernie will get crushed against Trump. So they're all of a sudden pulling back and trying to pump 
Bloomberg to a certain extent. Yeah, I feel like because Bloomberg hasn't been tested really. Correct. Uh, well, Except I would say in the debate. debates, yeah. <laughs> but before, this is what I'm saying. Before that debate, I think there was a lot more positive news about Bloomberg's potential. Sure. Now I haven't seen that anywhere. Right. But before the debate, that's when they were saying, oh, Hillary <laughs> Clinton for VP under Bloomberg. But uh, did Bloomberg win any points in that debate by attacking Bernie? Remember he called Bernie a socialist millionaire with three homes and blah, the blah, blah. The one thing that Bloomberg did really, really well uh, that unfortunately it was the last 45 minutes of the debate and people don't, you know, had tuned out by then and he'd already been crushed and the people that tuned out never saw it. Was he, I think he said something like, everybody on stage, raise your hand if you've started a business before, which is a great line. They're all government hacks. I'm sorry. Like, I know I'm biased. I get it. I'm on the Republican side. I get it. I'm, but anybody that has never started a business that understands what a business owner goes through, that understands what it's like to, pay unemployment, pay health care, to try to give your, your, the people that work for you more pay and give them more benefits and, tr and then struggle to, you know, have a good EBITDA and all this. Like, all the candidates except for Bloomberg don't have any clue how that works. Well, I think that's why for a long, I mean, there's always, whenever someone's a senator who runs, I'm always very skeptical because right. senator, you're one out of a hundred. You actually don't really run anything. No. And even when you write legislation, it's it's a it's unlikely the legislation will pass and then it's unlikely it'll be enforced and you never really see right. the benefits from it you know so i think this is what hurts this is why like, governors do a lot better yeah i mean historically other than obama the last senator who won i think was uh john f kennedy right and he had uh, an enormous right. amount of money and but was, you had bush was a governor uh reagan reagan Carter, was a governor clinton right. right clinton was a governor like because they have executive experience they have to create budgets yeah right they have to get they have to run passed, something right they run something and even right? even now there's a lot of mayors running right you have right. like uh guys like uh bloomberg and mayor bloomberg. pete yeah. so uh and you oh have, by the way did i ever tell you my Buttigieg story about when i met him no was, <laughs> on, was it on your grinder profile <laughs> no, that would be weird um you're married i'm fine yeah just i kidding. am <laughs> uh in 2000 so i just finished the bush campaign in 2004 and this is obviously before social media, but I had a lot of leverage at that point for being the national get out the vote director. And so a friend of mine reached out and said, hey, this is like in 2005. He says, hey, I know this young guy wants to kind of get involved in politics. Would you mind going to have lunch with him? And I said, sure. And he said, I'll join you guys just to kind of, you know, so it won't be awkward or whatever. I said, yeah, it's fine. And he said, okay. So we went to the Palm in DC and in walks for a three hour lunches with Pete Buttigieg. And we talked about what it would be like to run for office, what he should do, how he should start a list, how he should try to raise money and all that types of things. But this was back in 2005. So you basically gave him the advice that, that started him no, up. No, I, I What was not. like one piece of advice you gave him that you thought really resonated with him? Yeah, it's, a, it's the same thing I would tell any candidate that asked me. Because in fact, I was meeting with um, a celebrity guy who wanted to run for office recently. And I, and I said, I don't think it's going to work. And he's like, why not? And I said, because in order to be effective, you have to have money. What, you know, the golden rule, the one with the gold makes the rules, right? Uh, you have to raise money. 90% of your time as an office holder, you got to raise money. Yeah. 90. People have this uh, romantic vision that they're going to run for office. And I know you've, you know, ran, but like traditional running for politics, right? right? is, you, oh, I'm going to go out there and I get to talk about my issues. No, no, you don't. No, you get to sit in a, in a small room with a phone in front of you, making calls 24-7, asking people for money. It's humiliating. It's not fun. 
And it's really, really hard work. And the ones that grind it out and say, I don't care, I'll do whatever it takes to win, those are the ones that win. It's the candidates that go, I'm gonna go knock on every door in my district. So you, so you thought you felt uh, your sense was that this celebrity you were talking to didn't didn't wouldn't be able to put his full heart into it, into raising money, into not no, every door. No, I typically try to talk anybody that says to me they want to run. I talk them out of it. And there's no exceptions. Like there's nobody who's just so popular yeah, from yeah, being Bloomberg. like a warrior. He doesn't have to raise money. But like, okay, uh, what about like a John McCain when he first ran in Arizona? Was he such a war hero? Oh, but well, he had his helps. wife's money too. His his, his wife yeah, had like but several it helps, hundred million. But he also had to raise a lot of money. Yeah. But ninety nine percent of candidates don't have that kind of brand. Yeah. You know, they just don't have a brand. So, so what, what about so I, Pete Buttigieg? The thing is, I said, are you prepared to raise money 90% of your time on, as a candidate? And the other 10% is not doing press conferences. And, you know, it's literally knocking on doors and asking, asking people for the vote. So Mayor Pete ran for mayor of um, oh, now, South, Bend. South Bend, Indiana. He lost. The first time he ran, he, he lost, or he also lost. Didn't he run for treasurer? Or no, something? he ran. Oh, he made. Yeah, he made. Yeah, yeah. I think he did. He also ran for chairman of the Democrat National Committee and lost. So, um, you know, my thing is, you, like, I know how to get you to victory, but the candidate has to be willing to do what it takes. What, what impressed you about Mayor Pete when you saw him? Did anything? Because clearly oh, he no, no. went well, far. I, I mean, this is you know, fifteen years ago, so I don't have a huge memory of it. Other than I remember, <laughs> what a weird last name. Other than this. I said, that guy has is way over ambitious. Like his amb his ambition was over the top, and I remember it back then. Like he, I was like, this guy is like, you know, like people that run for president, they have crazy ambition, right? Clinton always said he was going to run for president. Yeah, right? since he was a kid, right? Uh, you know, um, obviously Obama had a, a crazy ambition. I mean, Bush just because of the family legacy had ambition. Uh, but this guy had no affiliation to anything. And I just, I got that weird, like spidey sense in me. I was like, God, this guy's way ambitious, like, like over the top. So we haven't seen the last of him probably. No, nope, 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 nope. So, so he will run again and he'll be in a good position. Listen, Bernie, how many times has Bernie run once or, or twice? I, I can't uh, remember. Well, he ran last time he, he ran, he, he threatened to run in 2008. Okay. Um, and he didn't. I think I think somebody yeah, yeah. was talking so out of it. He's run twice, but most of the time I write about this in in my book too. But like uh, George W. Bush ran for Congress in 1978 and lost. Then he ran for governor. Then he ran for president. Right. Um, Obama ran for Congress and lost. Then he ran for state senate. Then he ran for U.S. Senate. Um, you know George H. W. Bush ran for senate and lost. Like uh, Clinton. Clinton was the youngest governor in the country. And then he was the youngest ex-governor in the country, right? And then he won again. Then he ran again and won, right? Yeah. So uh, typically the one, if you're, again, this is the ambition part because you see the loss not as the end, but as the beginning. Okay, I will, okay, this is just an interesting trivia thing. Uh, Reagan never lost an election as far as I can tell. He lost the 76 presidential campaign. Oh yeah, okay. He but ran he, in a primary he, against yes. Ford. So before it was an incumbent, Probably difficult in a primary to win sure. against the incumbent. I mean, he wasn't Ford wasn't unpopular, he, you know. Right. And Reagan came close. He did, and was close. kind of offered the VP spot, but it didn't work out. The negotiations didn't work out. So Reagan could have won something there. It's just it got weird. But um, uh, Nixon lost, obviously several. He lost even for governor after losing the right. presidential in 1960, and then he came back. Um, Kennedy never. John F. Kennedy never lost. Uh, I don't believe. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Carter never lost. Yeah, yeah. That's I, it. That's I, all I can think of. 
I don't remember. I don't know if Carter ran. I know I mean, he was governor of Georgia, but I don't know if he had run before in lost. I just can't I remember. I don't think so. Yeah. I think he just, it's like war hero guy. Right. Um. So, okay. So uh, the other thing I was going to ask about the debates was, I forget now. All right. So, so South Carolina's coming up. Oh, why doesn't Bloomberg run in South Carolina? Given that I feel like every new election South Carolina is pivotal because it's the first one that signals where the African-American vote's going. I, I may be totally wrong on this. I just think there there probably was a deadline that you had to be, you know, sort of um, uh, to, I think like these states have deadlines that you have to sort of apply to be on the ballot. He may have missed that deadline. So Other than that, I think what they basically, again, it's the Giuliani model. They said, look, you know, what is it, like two or 3% of all the delegates are decided between uh, Iowa and Hampshire and South Carolina. Screw that. Let's go. Into, I've got the resources and the money. This is Bloomberg's thinking, in my opinion. Yeah, screw that. I, I'm going to the big states. By the way, he's right in this. Uh, Warren and Buttigieg are flat broke. Biden has raised, he's, he's, he's historically been an atrocious fundraiser. He's done that again this time. He doesn't have much money at all, right? So, and Bernie is the only one that's a viable fundraiser that has money to compete, right? So Warren is like spending $3 million in all these Super Tuesday states and Bloomberg spending $450 million. So you got $450 million to $3 million. So, so, like so it, my point is, was like, he said, I can go spend money where nobody else. I, I kind of admire it. Like he says, I'm going to go into the lane that no one else is doing. The problem is the media is it's just like Trump got, you know, a billion dollars in free media in 2016. Well, Bernie is getting that now. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting... And, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say 
the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the, the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So if Bernie wins in South Carolina, you think nothing can, I mean, the Super Tuesdays, like all these Southern states, are they going to vote for Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Right now he'll pull more delegates. Even though Bloomberg is going to just bombard those states with as well, many depends. as possible. Well, like if Bernie wins South Carolina, I, I, I would tell you, I think he's got this thing. It's done. If Bernie loses South Carolina. Won't the media be flipping out? Like, and they're all, you know. They're already flipping out. Like, so won't they try to boost Bloomberg up? I'm not, I'm not advocating for this, but I'm just wondering how are they going to keep the fight going, you know, past South Carolina, just for well, their sake. you're going to get, look, but the problem with it is like when you have multiple candidates, even like if Biden stays in, which I think he will after South Carolina, you're pulling votes from Bloomberg. Like Biden's name ID, his brand is so elevated, it's enough to get him 8% or 10%. And why would he stay in? Because- Does he want to be embarrassed? Yeah, you know, these guys, first of all, it's ego, but also they go, no, no, no. I, I've been vice president. At Bloomberg's never done anything. Like that is the, it, internally in their mind, that's it. They, they're so biased in their own campaigns. And I've seen this across the board, Republicans, Democrats, and they've been working on it for a year. You're supposed to just give everything up. It's like, no, I got to keep fighting. Like, yeah, because this is his last chance. Yeah. So you might as well barely. just. It's a barely, even this time's barely. Well, well that's the other thing, too. He must be aware that he's not in the best of health. And people watching him yes, it's, are it's, aware. It's hurt. Unless it's been built up by the media. Oh, they're only focusing on these moments where he seems to be a little bit off balance. But his supporters also don't really seem that excited. They just seem like they're, no. they feel, I think the machine is obligated to support him. Like I see from people who are just like heads at their local democratic committees, they're always for Biden and they don't question his health, but why don't they question his health? Why don't people look a little bit below the surface? Well, if he was a Republican, they'd question his health. If they were, <laughs> if they were working for Republican no. committees, uh, the media would question his health if he was a Republican. That's probably just true because of the Biden. But, but, but the, the Biden. media even questions Biden's health now, kind of like he's his his, his fan base is not rabid like no. Bernie Sanders. And, and look, and there's a, a golden another golden rule in politics: intensity trumps everything. Sorry that that was not a pun. I mean, it just it beats everything. So 
Where's the intensity? Is it Bernie? Yeah. Yes. Is it, are people intense for Bloomberg? I feel like Bloomberg people are, I don't know. But is that playing in California or, I mean, I, right, I now was, Bernie's, right now we're sitting in New York City and New York City loves Bloomberg. Right. So I, when I see people on the street, they all say to me, Bloomberg's running, what do you think? And like everyone's kind of gung-ho for Bloomberg right. here because this is his city. Right. But California is going to be a huge state and Bernie's annihilating everybody there right now. So yeah, because I guess, you know, if you think about intensity, it, and by the way, you know, I, this is my, I don't know if I've said this in the last uh, interview we did, but if you ask, if you were to out, go out and do a national poll and ask Democrats what the number one issue is for them in going into 2020, what issue do you think is the one issue driving them to vote? I mean, I'm just trying to think of what a Bernie issue would be. I, I kind of don't think it's healthcare. I think it's income inequality. Yeah. So it's a total trick question. It's beat Trump. Well, okay. So let me ask so you about this. That's an intensity. Right. That's intensity. So, so that seems to me to be an ineffective strategy. And 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 maybe I'm wrong. But like when I was watching um, two or three debates ago, all Amy Klobuchar would say is. I could be Trump. Oh, yeah, I could be still, Trump. We haven't even talked about her. Yeah, we haven't talked about her because <laughs> she's, she's not going to win. But uh, but no. she's reasonable as a VP candidate. She is. But but all she ever says is be Trump. It doesn't strike me as the best strategy to constantly be saying the name of your opponent because people, all people remember is Trump. But Bernie cornered that market. He cornered it four years ago when he was trying to, you know, whether it was helping Hillary or not. I mean, he's been, you know, on this path for four years. So... Everybody can talk about Trump. That's great, right? But who's going to have more credibility with voters on anti-Trump? And that's Bernie. But, but okay, Bernie's got that rabid fan base, and it's it's the core of the Democratic Party that's voting in these primaries. But it is, I mean, he is a socialist. The United States mm -hmm. is not typically a socialist country. I can't think of the last time uh, someone who called themselves a socialist was a maybe Eugene Debs in like the 1910s. Okay. But like, or no, no. Okay. Um, Henry Wallace in 1948, uh, was kind of socialist uh -huh. and, and running. So that's, that's my knowledge of socialist and socialist and presidential campaigns. And now Bernie Sanders, they don't really win in the United States. Well, all the, all the internal polling I'm seeing right now is he'd get crushed, but hold on. That's right now. And be careful what you wish for. I don't care if this was, you know, like all the Hillary people said, oh my God, I hope we get Trump. Well, be careful what you wish for. Because when it's a one-on-one -on -one race and you have so much volatility between the two candidates, anything can happen. So Trump, I mean, it's funny. Uh, these never Trumpers, right? There's these moderate Democrat Republicans that all came out four years ago and said, I'm a never Trumper. I'll never vote for Trump. Now they're coming out of the woodwork and now I'm going, all right, well, between Bernie and Trump, I guess I'll be with Trump. Yeah, like, like if someone's a, um, a moderate and yeah. they work hard and, and their federal yeah. income tax rate is 39% and Bernie's saying, oh no, we want to make it 52%. Right. Yeah. What are they going to do? Well, are they not going to vote or are they going to? You know, I'll give you a very specific They might example. do never 52. Uh, you, you and Robin had this party in December at your house. For a Democratic candidate, I might add. Yeah, yeah. For, and, for mayor. And I got invited. And I ended up talking to a couple hedge fund guys here. And all of the, and you know, trust me, every time, I'm, this is the first time I've been on a, you know, New York party circuit, right? But if I go to- a, First time we were on the New York party right, circuit. I know, I know. But, I'm not but, like a, I'm but, not like a big- But uh, if I am 
in a social situation, right? And people will be like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, crap. Because somebody gets mad, you know, inevitably, right? So you can imagine when someone asked me this in, in the Upper West Side of yes. um, New York. This is the AOC zip right. code, fundraising like, oh, zip code. Shit. I'm like, uh, well, I, you know, I do some marketing stuff. And they're like, oh, what kind of marketing? And I'm like, um, well, I'm, I blame politics. Oh, what, what, who specifically? And you're like, shit. You know, cause like, I know like it's gonna have some kind of crazy reaction, right? And if I'm in the South, people hug me. Oh, you're the Republicans. You know, they love it, you know? And up here and when I was in DC, it was like, literally I got kicked out of restaurants when the, a bartender would find out that I did what I did. You're kidding. No, this was back in the Obama days. So wait, what, what, The wokeness of the world, I saw this in DC back in 2009, 2010. But, um, but anyway, so I said to these, this, it was like four or five hedge fund people, uh, men and women. And I said, well, you know, we've done work. We do work in the Republican Party and, you know, I've done work on for super PAC supporting Trump. And and that they all looked at me and they go, well, you know, we kind of support him. And I oh. go, what? <laughs> like, I was like, excuse me? It's amazing how many people wink to each other they do. in New York. I got the wink But wink. by the way, just a bit. They go, we can't say this out loud. I would never tell my parents this. I would never tell anything, but... No, there's, you know, if it's Bloomberg, we'll be with Bloomberg. But other than that, we're with Trump. Well, well, that's what they told me. For Well, just to mention, like at that party, there were definitely, it was probably 50 50. Mm -hmm. Like there were people who, who you could have said that to who really would have tried to kill you right then. Right. But, and the, the candidate we were hosting that party for was Eric Adams, who's running for, for mayor of right. New York. But um, New York's a weird place because think about the mayors. Look at Ed Koch and Bloomberg. They were Republicans and Democrats, yeah. you know, and and Giuliani was definitely Republican, but and Eric's definitely Democrat, right. but you know he announced he carries a gun to church, so it's not it, political parties here are weird, except at the national level. Right. At the local level, it's not a given. I mean, you even have in the seventies that John Lindsay yeah. was a liberal Republican, was mayor right. here. So it's a little New York City's weird on local politics, right? It's not it's not one or the other. No, no, no. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. But but, uh, um, but yeah. it is it is interesting though how many people they can't say what they think, but they'll both and they don't know where I'm at, so they'll both sides wink to me. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but obviously the economy is going really well. The financial markets are going really well. No one wants that disruption. Nobody wants the capital gains trust, tax to be eliminated. All right, and trust me on this, if Bernie is elected, it will affect the stock market. There's, there's no. Well, doubt I was just in my saying mind. this to to Robin today because preparing for this podcast, you know, everybody, I know what his issues were, but I was always curious. Well, how is he going to pay for all these, you know, thirty trillion dollars worth of programs? And look, if he could pay for them, power to him. Like Yang, I thought put together a, a decent plan how he's going to pay for UBI using a VAT tax and and so on. But Sanders is going to put a, uh, he's going to get rid of capital gains, which means you're going to have to sell your stocks before he takes office or else you're messed up. You're, you're going to pay double the taxes so or more. So the stock market, and maybe this is a good thing. I don't know. The stock market's had a good 10-year run. Maybe it needs to take a little 20 or 30% break, but that's at the minimum of what it's going to fall, sure. I think. And again, I'm not saying whether that's bad or I, good. I know. You need know. the stock market to correct every now and then. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing is that uh, you know, it's, it'll get rid of the capital gains. He's going to put the speculation tax on short-term trading of stocks. So he's going to penalize long-term holding and he's going to penalize short-term holding. No one's going to want to put their money in stocks. It's going to affect the economy because the stock market is not a, a game. It's how 
companies raise money to hire people and to invent things like SpaceX will go public to invent rocket ships that right. will take people to Mars. If they can't go public, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, actually that. Anderson Cooper was interviewed him on 60 minutes on uh, last weekend and did a really good job of saying, okay, specifically, how would you pay for these things? And he couldn't answer it. And that's the big internally from the Bloomberg campaign to the Warren campaign. But that's why just just in the past 48 hours, though, he he put out something. And the criticism of Bernie internally with all these campaigns is he, all he does is talk in platitudes. But in the past 48 hours to address this, right. he did put out, here's sure, how he has to. It was a yeah. bad moment for him. Not only the Cuba part, but also he, he can't explain how he pay for these things. But the, the main thing is, is basically he's going to up, from what I understand, he's going to up for most people your federal income tax rate from 39% to 52% of the highest earners. He's going to get rid of capital gains, which moves your capital gains income from 20% to whatever the highest income tax rate is. He was more vague on this, but he's going to tax corporations more aggressively. Uh, he's going to, um, he's going to have various wealth taxes, yeah. you know, the same way Elizabeth Warren is, but his number is lower uh, for, for a wealth tax. So he kind of explained it again. There were credit, there was criticism. The numbers don't add up, which they, it's, it's, it's hard to add up to $30 trillion. So I don't know. And that, that's kind of the low side on what he wants yeah. to spend. So I, I don't know. But again, on the on the the game theory side, it does strike me that telling everybody they're going to have less money doesn't seem like a, a winning strategy. And this is why Trump is doing really well on a, a head-to-head -head matchup. And, and don't, listen, stop paying attention to national head-to-head -head matchup polls. National polls don't mean anything. The polls that mean anything are in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Florida? And, and North Carolina. Nope, Florida's already done. After the Cuba debacle uh, on 60 Minutes, where he basically praised Castro on 60 Minutes last weekend, mm. uh, not only was Florida pretty much 90% off the board for any Democrat, it's it's moved solidly into the Republican category, but it's over for Bernie there now. Unless, again, there's always these, these moments in <laughs> politics that like some nuclear bomb goes off and it ruins a candidate right there well like something were to happen but i, I mean i'm not saying i just don't know like can it, it, it skipping ahead like if it was like a uh let's hypothetically say it was a bloomberg klobuchar ticket let's just say whatever happened in yeah, the middle and could, is that a path for the democrats so yes. so bloomberg would win florida klobuchar would take these northern states yeah. so could that be a, a path for the democrats absolutely so if the democrats really like you know the big saying in the past three years was you know trump's a facet fascist trump's this trump says trump's you know they would compare him to the worst people in history if they really truly believe that wouldn't they wouldn't they all kind of come together and say hey let's come up with the right ticket to that that all the machines say are going to beat trump so, or, or do they not believe that so this is all i have to say is go back and look in 2016 the never trumpers came out and said, we can't have this. And we got to have uh, Jeb or we got to have Marco or we got to have Ted. Like, it can't be Trump. He's going to lose. It's a 100% chance. Like, we're going into suicide mission. And the the voters of Trump said, nope, not budging. This is what we believe. We're going to be, on, we're voting on principle. And what happened? I, I mean, Trump won. So, I so mean, people, I mean, I, I give Bernie supporters credit. They believe. They do. They're not trying to win. They believe. And I, I I respect the hell out of that, actually. I mean, I do see one path to victory 
for Sanders in in one certain type of situation. But I wanna I wanna hit the rest of these primaries first uh, though, which is. <laughs> You got Super Tuesday coming up. Yeah. Your point is, is that the media narrative is so strong now yeah. for Sanders. But again, it doesn't seem like the media wants Sanders. So going into Super Tuesday with, with Bloomberg spending another 400 million, say, aren't they going to try to, you know, People, pretend there's a man-on-man -man fight here? My grandmother, who died about three years ago at 101 years old, voted for Bill Clinton twice. And she was from Montgomery, Alabama and grew up in segregated South and voted for Bill Clinton twice. And I said- In the same election? <laughs> yeah. No, that would be Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said, uh, and I asked her, I said, Gan, why did you vote for Clinton? And she said, because he's a, he, he's a winner. Huh. People vote for the winners. But did you, and Bernie now will have tied Iowa, one New Hampshire, one Nevada, m close to tie, one in South Carolina, finishes second in South Carolina, whatever it is. And people in California see that they see the media promoting that. They see that he got Hispanic vote and they go, well, I want to vote for the guy that gets the Hispanic vote. They see they got the labor vote and they go, I want to be with the guy that got the labor vote. Do I want to be with the Bloomberg guy? He hasn't won anything. He's just throwing a bunch of money at this. So you kind of see Bloomberg, like, because you're, you're saying- He's going to do Biden okay. And he may win two. some states, but you got to understand, like, he's not winning enough to win the nomination at this point. Even though only 26 delegates have yeah. been assigned out of a 1900 yeah, the, needed to the win. The Democrats, I, you, and you're talking to the wrong person on this, but they have a super delegate, a formula, all this stuff. And it, it makes it virtually impossible after Super Tuesday. If you have a certain amount of delegates, uh, you're pretty much on the path to, to winning. And by the way, this happened against with Obama and Hillary. Hillary stayed into the race until like April in 2008. And she's had no chance of winning. Like literally it was over. She stayed in for another month and kept winning states, but it didn't matter. The math was impossible to get to a victory. And so what you're seeing in the math now is that what it appears to be is that after Super Tuesday, Bernie's math is going to be insurmountable. Because you're saying Bloomberg's just not going to pull Super Tuesday, no matter how much money he spends. He may win some states, but the delegate totals between... Bernie and everybody else will be significant enough that he'll have the math on his side to win the nomination. Why won't Bloomberg get the superdelegates? I mean, he's been funding congressional campaigns yeah. forever. I mean, you you could see a rebellion. I mean, it'd be really fun and interesting to see a, a brokered convention, which people are talking about. But again, people talked about a brokered convention with Trump. And, and I even went on ESPN, because back then on ESPN, you could talk politics. But I'd go on ESPN 16 and say... Um, uh, you know, my God, I think it's going to be a brokered convention. I think that, tr that Cruz could get the nomination in a brokered convention. I would go on Steve, our friend, Paul Feinbaum show. And, uh, but, and that can happen. That's a possibility. It's a low propensity possibility though. So, so you don't see any, just be after South Carolina, just because of uh, the media will be blessing San Bernie Sanders as the new King, you don't see Bloomberg. There's, there's no path. Do you, you see any path? Well, no, after Super Tuesday, think about this. If, Blue, if Bernie has more delegates and wins the big states. Now, but before Super Tuesday, after South Carolina, but before no, Super no, Tuesday. No, no, no. After Super Tuesday. Okay. Let's say he takes California and you know, other, other big states. Bloomberg wins some. At that point, it's, it probably would just be Bloomberg and Bernie at that point. But the momentum is just going to be too heavy for, for Bernie. I mean, you, the, again, the narrative will be, uh, those first four states, the, the the demographics of Bernie's votes, the young people, the Hispanics, the African-American, like he's got everything. 
And that's going to be the, like the media is going to control a lot of this narrative going forward. Okay, so they always do. So, so that's why but, it's so hard to skip these early states. And, and Bloomberg, he knew that, but he figured, okay, if 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 all these guys split up, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, it'll still be open for me on Super Tuesday. Everyone will use Super Tuesday as kind of a free for all, and it'll still be over for me. He miscalculated, perhaps that Bernie Sanders would A, get the free media exposure that he's getting now, and B, that he would simply win all three places or all four places. Yeah, I think money and ego probably said, I, I can clear a path from Super Tuesday on. You know, I'll, 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 I'll make one uh, historic, like you, you say, you know, the Juliana strategy typically doesn't work, which is skipping Iowa, New Hampshire, RFK uh, in 1968 didn't enter the race until like may and then and then suddenly he was winning right so and then he was killed but yeah uh didn't so, work out so he lost <laughs> but uh lost overall yeah. uh uh how will bloomberg drop out when's he, he he could just stay in it forever yeah and he, he could be a could, third party maybe his i'm gonna stay in it and try to have a brokered convention i mean there's a million ways it can go i think we got to see what happens at super tuesday and then things are really going to shake out and then there's a million possibilities out of it but i'm just telling you the odds say at this point it's Bernie's to lose. And and so thinking about VP candidates. By the way, I hope you don't put this out like in three weeks. <laughs> no. Jay, we gotta put this out. What day is it today? Tuesday? We gotta put this out Thursday. Thursday. Cool. Thursday. Can we do that? All right, good. Um <laughs> Bernie. Now I have money on the VP candidate. Okay. Uh, but this is from way back. I put it just a small bet on Sherrod Brown at 20 to 1 odds. Uh, senator from Ohio. Mm -hmm. He was the one who probably should have been the VP candidate for um, Clinton in right. four years ago yep, in 2016, right. but she was doing a favor for Terry McAuliffe. She picked Tim Kaine. Sherrod Brown was on paper probably the better candidate right. for the Midwest and so on. Um, now he's at one cent, you know, he's a hundred to one odds. And Nina Turner, who is just basically an employee of Bernie Sanders is the number one choice on the prediction markets for the VP candidate. But who's like kind of, he's not going to pick someone to balance the ticket. He's going to pick another socialist. Uh, no, I think he probably would. T the, the, listen, the vice president serves at the behest of the president. So having a balance will help you get elected. I so see. I would tell you Klobuchar is a candidate for sure. Midwest woman. Right, I don't think you should eliminate all white guys. Yeah, from so the vice president in the prediction choice. markets, by the way, it's Sherrod Brown is it, although he's at the bottom, he's the only white guy. There's like yeah. eleven women in front of him, and right. Nina Turner is a African American woman. Yeah, I know. So I, I would tell you, it would probably be it's going to be a woman. I just don't know. Uh, it, it, again, it depends on how everything kind of shakes out. It could be a Kamala Harris. Yeah, she's um, she's in the running there. Right. Tulsi Gabbard's in the running there, but I don't yeah, think it's going to be no, her. No, Tulsi and Bernie people I don't think go along very well. Well, I think she pissed off the whole, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. she pissed off the whole Democrat Party when she voted present on the impeachment. Yeah. yeah. So then, then it's kind of like she has no party right now. No. But I feel she has an agenda with that somehow. She's also, I, I have a friend of mine that worked for her, and I, at, this was, um, man, right when she got to Congress, like four or five years ago, maybe six years ago. And I asked, you know, I went over to the office and had lunch with this this uh, person. And I was like, well, what's Tulsi like? I mean, this is before any national profile. And she said, oh, she's ambitious. It's one of the most ambitious people I've ever been around. So she's got ambition. That means she's got something up her sleeve. I just don't know what it Could is. Could there be a Bloomberg Gabbard third party run? No, no, it's not happening this year. Mm -hmm. The third party thing. I mean, Bloomberg is not going to choose. She's too much of a wild card. He wants control. Yeah. 
So, so I, I would say uh, a female for sure on Bernie's side. So, okay, so... It could be Warren. Yeah, it could be all of it. It seems like they're both Northeastern, both in their 70s, both socialist. So it doesn't seem like a winning strategy, but I could be wrong because yeah. they're, they're basically the middle of the country has been carved up. The fringes on both sides have been kind of winning for the past five years yeah. really because bernie it's so chance. funny i mean even the moderate republicans and democrats have been locked out this is the second election if bernie gets a nomination this is the second election cycle where they've been locked out and it's just crazy if you think about it because you think about it we're probably the fringe represents 30 percent on either side Right, but the vast majority is in, is between the left and the right in the middle. In the middle, but maybe they don't vote in primaries. But they're not intense. They have no intensity. Yeah, do you think they'll get? They're out. They're like doing working, not paying attention to politics, raising their kids, going to soccer practice. Like they're they're living. They're not focused on the election. Well, I also I and there's people, a lack of intensity. I I'm, I'm people, just saying I know this from the data. Like this is what the data says. But I also ask ask people pretty regularly. What decision has any president of the United States ever made that has changed your life? And they'll mention things that clearly there are decisions presidents sure. make that change lives. Like yeah. if you went to war in Iraq, somebody's, you know, Bush's decision changed your life. But for the average person, the president has no, it's more local politics affects your life. Correct. E I mean, if look, even. What, what were the dire predictions about how Trump would literally take us down the drain, that life would be over, that the country won't exist in the same way? Like all these doomsday scenarios. And by the way, it's not exclusive to the Democrats. Republicans did this with Obama. Oh my God, the end of the world. He's a socialist. He's going to do those things. No, no, he didn't affect us that much. Yeah. You're right. I mean, the, the, the president really doesn't affect you that much. Now, if Bernie was even to get half or 10% uh, of his programs passed, it would be pretty interesting to see what that effect, it'd be a bigger effect. Well, okay. So, so let's, let's go to the national stage now. Uh, Bernie Sanders <laughs> versus Donald Trump. Uh, first off, Trump assumed, I assume he doesn't get rid of his VP candidate. No, like Pence no, has been no, fine no. for him yep, yep. again, whether you agree, disagree politically, yeah, it's a good balance right. for, for him. Uh, Trump versus Bernie Sanders What's your what's your gut, and then let's break it down. Your well, gut being based on. Well, you're asking me something that's impossible to tell. And I mean, we're talking about this in February. What's going to happen in November? Yeah, let's say the world is looks like how it looks now. Well, Trump wins easily. It'll be a blowout. Well, okay, so so break that down, like. Right, um, when, and I might listen. There are certain states Trump's going to carry. There are certain states Bernie's going to carry. Right, and then you got to figure out. And uh, I think we may have played the electoral math the last time I was on here, but nothing. The, the first time I think you were skeptical, like a year ago, you were skeptical of the electoral math because you thought there would be greater turnout among the Democrats. I do, I did. and that would drive those in, key states. But to, the, to, the, the, here's where the things you don't see: impeachment has helped Trump. It did not help. It, it, it okay, is. tell me how. Oh, there was a poll that just came out. Politico reported on it yesterday. The Democrats just ran uh, in like the, the 52 most targeted House congressional races in the country right now. The ones that maybe Hillary won, but uh, or maybe a Democrat won there in 2018, but Trump won in 2016, right? There's these subsets of, uh, of congressional races. Impe impeachment in those Democratic congressional districts that Trump won, like I think 52, 55% were against impeachment and thought he got a raw deal. I mean, the, the intensity level on the Republican side blew up. If you look at the polling internally from September of 2019 to today, Trump is 
on a forward or a vertical traje- trajectory with uh, with voters. The, the intensity level has gone up for the first time. So it, before that, especially in the 2018 election, the intensity level was all on the Democrat side. That's why they won so big in 2018. But now the, the impeachment has woken up voters that support Trump, but maybe just didn't have a large intensity for it. And so, and even there was a poll that came out the other day in Wisconsin, a statewide poll that Trump was trouncing Bernie. Now, Trump has been losing the the one-on-one matchups, whether it's one-on-one with Biden, Warren or whatever. He's been losing all of them for the last two years. And now he's clearly ahead in a one-on-one with Bernie. So what that tells me is not only is the intensity of Republican voters come into play, but then you've got a lot of voters that say, I don't want the socialist policies of Bernie. I may not like Trump, but I'll hold my nose again. So that so that might be, that might affect the turnout. It might affect yep. people who are on the fence. Right. Uh, uh, it, but Trump's leading Bernie in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, listen, Florida and Ohio are off the table. They, Trump's winning those no matter what. Which is interesting because, I mean, Florida obviously was the key states in both 2016 and 2000, 2000 in particular. I was, I was on the recount. Uh, and and so look how it, it, close it was. Now you're saying it's just a blur. Are people going to really remember Sanders' comment on Cuba? Do they even know? Does the well, then, know? then Sanders came out and said, you know, that the APAC, the Jewish Political Action Committee, there was like he wasn't going to speak at their conference this week, and that they so he's going to lose the Jews and the Hispanics, which are the only people in Florida. <laughs> And, well, I'm and, in Florida. Well, Florida man is in Florida. Uh, maybe you're, I'm Florida you're, man. You're Florida man. And then there's the Jews <laughs> and the Hispanics. Right. So uh, I think he Bernie has completely jeopardized himself with Jewish voters right now because of the comments and pra- frankly, his past policies. Like, that's what he believes. Yeah. Um, he's completely annihilated the Cuban community. and And they know that. They know it. Because I don't know, when sometimes when people say stuff in the news, does it really get communicated down to, yeah. does everybody know what they, they, the within The Cuban voting bloc, of course. That yeah. is a huge- Because that's their main issue. Active voting bloc. Well, it's the main issue for the old Cubans. The younger Cubans don't care as much because enough time has passed. But trust me, it, when you have, you're that over, like, he, like Bernie was this past week saying, uh, yeah, I'm not for authoritarianism, but- Castro did some good things. He had a literacy program. Like yeah, there's a lot of uh, jokes on Twitter after that. That is insane. It's an insane comment, right? So um, that is going to play even to the younger Cuban demographic. Um, I mean, does Sanders think he can win? Of course he does. Of course. Or is there some other motive? No, he's 78. What is what other motive yeah, does yeah, he have? Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So is the health issue? You know, he's he's not release some of his health issues yeah. regarding his heart. Yeah. Like, is could that be an issue or people won't care really? I don't think it did. Trump won't release his medical issues. Trump yeah. won't leave, or tax release his taxes and no one cares. Was That's why they don't release them. No one. This is a media contrived story. Maybe it's legitimate. You want to know whether your presidential candidate is healthy and going to be able to serve in office, but it's not an intense issue. The media will, well, they screamed over t- Trump's health and taxes, right? It didn't affect him. It just didn't affect it. People was just like, what? Well, that's not why we're voting for president. So if you're, okay, let's- So they don't care about Bernie. On, on a national level, if, if you were making a campaign strategy for Sanders, what would you focus on? And I'll ask the same about Trump. White working class voters. So you basically say, but how, so all these people- Because that's where the election's going to come down. But they're the high, at the highest employment levels ever. Right, everybody's at the highest employment level ever. Right. They're making bigger income than yep. ever. 
Uh, what? How could Sanders get that? Those well, votes? he can. I mean, he already is. He's going after the labor vote, which is the, a lot of the Midwest white working class worker uh, that that you know it belongs to a union and stuff like that. But that 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 is his key is the working class white voter. It's the it's Trump's key. But Trump's secondary key is African Americans. And he has made a lot of moves in the African-American community. Now, I'm going to get, like, annihilated for saying that, but hear me out. If Trump, I think he got a very, he got one of the highest shares ever of African-American vote for a Republican candidate in 2016, right? I didn't know that. Uh, I think Romney may, I, I'm totally coming up with these numbers out of thin air, so I know that somewhere, but, like, he beat Romney by, like, two points of whatever Romney got, right? Um, and so... It's not that Trump is going to get 50% of the African-American vote. That's not going to happen. But if Trump can get, get the white working class voters in the Midwest, right, in Pennsylvania and Michigan, right, in Wisconsin, and th those that sort of beltway or beltway, the um, Rust Belt. Um, but if he can take the African-American vote from, let's say, 8% in 2016 and get it to 12%, he's got this thing so okay so but just so i'm not saying he's gonna win the african-american vote i'm saying if he if he got 12 percent, that'd be the highest percentage any republicans ever gotten in the history of american politics so make a campaign for sanders what would your campaign one campaign what would it look like for sanders i would like an ad nothing but camp out in pennsylvania wisconsin and michigan because that's where it all counts and if you were to make a tv ad, what would it look like for sanders yeah oh it would be uh it'd be testimonials from working work white working class um voters uh telling their personal story and telling how bernie is going to help them and would they be sob stories like were they oh we, we used to have yeah this, and, and I now would, we don't you could take white working class voters in vermont and talk about the policies that he's supported and how it's benefited their life but you but you how would you go negative on trump because you're you're a big proponent of negative ads for for politics. Yeah, I just wrote a my for my uh, subscribers. I wrote I predicted on Friday last Friday that the negative ad that Bloomberg was soon to launch negative ads because he's seeing that Bernie's taking the mantle. Yeah, and on Monday, like literally two days later, he launched his first negative ad on Bernie. What did it say? It was a anti. Oh, so Bernie has been pro NRA. No one. People may not know that. I did not know that. He's been supported by over Republican candidates for the U.S. Senate in Vermont uh, by the NRA. He's been endorsed by the NRA in the past, right? Over the last four years, he started to uh, go, oops, I, I got to get on the right side of this for a Democratic primary. So he sort of started switching his positions. So Bloomberg had run, has run, is running right now. I don't know where it's running, but he's running an, an, an NRA or an ad on how Bernie has been supported by the NRA that he voted for gun le pro gun legislation um and he's said insensitive comments that have you know been about Is guns. it working? I don't know. They just launched it Monday. So Sanders if he was going to do um an anti-Trump TV ad what would he do? I I probably focus on any kind of policy that hasn't worked that's hurt people. Like is what what's one that's hurt people? I, I don't know. Like white working class people that that you're saying Sanders is going to go for? Yeah. And and I would also probably focus on African Americans, and they're going to play the race card. Yeah. So they're going to say racist, racist, racist. This is what they do every time. They're all racist. They're all racist. They're all racist. So what's Trump's anti-Sanders campaign going to look like? Oh man, <laughs> that that is a that's you, a trick. You wrote trip. that campaign, so well, I want to hear. Well, the reason I say that is not so much on the bias. I'm got I'm biased. Don't get me wrong. 
But the fact is, is that Trump's been defined. Everybody knows everything about Trump. So it's really hard to say something that would stick. He's pretty Teflon, right? Right. But with Bernie, he just hasn't had a negative campaign run against him at all, if you think about it. Hillary never um, threw out a, a negative ad? Or... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, but maybe it was in one state, mm -hmm. right? It was just not, not, you know, he's really never been punched. He is, I'm done. He's not going to be punched. Yeah, he's going to be, was it Tyson Fury uh, on Deontay Wilder the other night? Like he is, he is going to like literally just stand over him and punch him all day long. Now, voters could get sick and tired of that and that could help Bernie, right? But Trump's, Trump's There could style. be a fatigue with that. But the fact is, is that you can do bread lines, you can do communists, you can literally take Bernie's, Bernie's on camera from the 1980s talking about how great communism is. You know, he's talking about how great Fidel is. I mean, you could, there is, they've never had an opposition research dump on him and it's about to go into effect. And what's going to happen, every smart presidential campaign has done this. Clinton did it to Dole um, and um, uh, Obama did it to Romney in 2012, but you start early. So Trump would be extremely smart that starting in April, May, June, that they drop. $200 million worth of national ads defining Bernie before Bernie can define himself to the rest of the country. Hmm. So, so here's the, I'm curious what you think of this scenario for that let's say Corona. So here's, I'm not going to debate about coronavirus, the pandemic, like nobody knows anything what's going on. You don't know if this pandemic's going to go you all may over have the world it right now. Hmm? You may have, oh, we it all now. may have right. it for all we know. <laughs> and cause it's asymptomatic for a while. Jay over there definitely has it. So he just raised his hand. Um, but uh, here's what worries me about coronavirus is that China has basically shut down all the factories. Yeah. And it turns out when, now that the, it's almost like the water has come in and we've seen everyone standing naked in, in the, whatever the saying is, I don't know. But it turns out the world had no plan B on manufacturing. Like all the, 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 the heartbeat of the world's manufacturing for, for better or for worse has been China for the past 10 years. And we didn't know that until yeah. now. So it seems like lots of small businesses, sure. if these factories stay shut even another month or two, you're going to see thousands of small businesses that go go out of business, which means people are going to be upset and right. angry. Well, you're asking me, what are these anomalies in the, in the marketplace, in the election marketplace that could help Bernie? Uh, it, the, this is exactly it. So, so if all the factories are shut down, right. rich people stay rich, but now the last remaining middle class... Right instantly goes broke yeah like I goes mean, broke trump broke. can get ahead of they should get ahead of it you know like first of all they should make it about china not about trump because the democrats will make it about trump and then trump needs to say this is why i've been campaigning on america first yeah and that we should have all our manufacturing here and there's but still a everyone's to gonna get agreed i'm not gonna, saying i'm not saying so he's upset getting, anybody's gonna get off scot-free whether it's bernie or trump but the fact is that that's how i would play it is I'd be very proactive right now. Yeah. Starting right now. And that usually people get involved when it's too late. Well, I don't know if you know, he's in defense. India right now because right. he's trying to basically open up manufacturing there. Yeah. And, you know, this is neither here nor there for the election. But if I were him, I'd pressure China to open up all the factories because it's not clear that Correct. quarantining is working. So you might as well just get back to business and stop something that's going to affect 7 billion people versus something that affects an unknown amount of people, but much smaller than 7 billion. So panic will affect the entire world, whereas the virus will affect a lot of people, but 
not as much as panic is going to affect everybody. Like right. more people will die from the panic than will die from the virus if the mm -hmm. panic stays. So, but that's my worry is where that'll throw the election kind of off, off balance. Sure. Either when, way. When do you think that effect would kick in? It, 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 I mean, I've been like, like obviously it's being felt now to the manufacturing. I mean, industry. the stock market had its worst day in a long time yesterday. Right. I've been wondering for a few weeks why I did a, a podcast on the coronavirus almost a month ago now. Cause I was starting to panic and I was, I was, I didn't realize, I didn't understand why was the stock market still going to all time highs. Even when Apple had bad news, stock market still going to highs, but people don't realize Apple's got so much cash. They can kind of withstand, you know, the, the, the heat for a good year, yeah. but mom and pop who sell dresses to Macy's, they're out of, they're done. They're out of business in a month or two months. They just, everybody, nobody has inventory. They, they all we're told, okay, Chinese New Year's going to be over, and then we'll get back right. to shipping things February 9th. And not only the, the things I'm hearing from people who have these small businesses, they're being told maybe another four months before factories open, and they're out of business then. Yeah. They're, they're, well, and didn't Apple come out and say this is going to affect them as well? Like yeah, but, yeah, Apple did, but Apple has $100 billion cash or more, and they, they, can, they can handle, they can keep prices low, they have inventory, they can probably switch fairly quickly, more quickly than most people to another factory. But most countries are not even set up to manufacture the way China is. Right. Not that China was the best manufacturer ever, but nobody else even has facilities. So there's, I do think in the long term, this is gonna affect the global economy because people are gonna have to have a plan B now, but nobody has a plan B. No, any, even a company like Apple has no plan B. If you want Tylenol, you're, you better stockpile now because right. there's going to be a shortage. Right. All, the, all the medical companies, there's no antibiotics. They're all made in China. Food companies like Tyson Foods, or uh, I'm speculating, but most of these food companies package and can and everything. Sure. They even make the food here, send it to China. Smithfield Pork is now owned by Chinese companies. So I, yeah, and they're yeah. all packaged right. in China and all those places are closed. I don't even know why the entire country's closed, but it seems pretty much every city I look up is like on lockdown. Mm. And so that's what strikes me as a path to victory for if people are in the streets angry because they have no more money and they used to be solidly middle class that's a danger right i see right so and again it's there's no it's, it's strategy a, it is absolutely a factor and and that what people you know what could happen and, and could change the dynamic of do, the election, do you think sure. do you think trump is i mean trump must be aware that that's not only an issue for oh, yeah, policy sure. but I mean, kind of everybody sort of downplays coronavirus because it's not really here. But, uh, and you know, again, I, I, can't, I can't understand why the stock market is even, you know, I, and I'm usually always bullish on the stock market. Like I, people used to make fun of me during the financial crisis because I'd go on CNBC when the, the Dow was down like a thousand points. And I'd be like, no, no, it's it's a great time to buy now. Well, it always everyone was right. insane. Right. And, and yeah, the stock market was at all time highs a few days ago. But I think now it's starting to shake a little bit as people get a little nervous because because it, now it's in Italy right. and moving up and you know the the deputy health minister of Iran suddenly has coronavirus so people are seeing that no one's you know and and it's kind of common knowledge or not common knowledge but the few immunologists I've spoken to or or read about are saying everybody in the world will be exposed eventually no one's no one's safe from this so it just depends on what the real statistics are on who's exposed who's infected what's the real fatality rate we don't really know that at all. But given that we don't know it and given that, that globalization is so intense right now and, and it turns out we've been doing all of our manufacturing in China where this, which is in total lockdown, that's my one worry in just in terms of blood in the streets, which could affect anything. Like who knows what direction that could go.
we'll see. Yeah, so we don't. We just don't know. You don't have no. Yeah, there's no. There's nothing you could do about it. No. So don't. You, you I mean, the only thing I'd say is go be proactive. Put it back on the Chinese. That they're the ones that caused this, and then say this is why I'm trying to bring manufacturing jobs here. That would be the proactive play on the on the Trump side to get ahead of this before it's a reactive problem. Be, yeah. Make it a product. Doesn't mean you're going to win everything, but it's better than being on you know on defense the whole time too. So so is there anything I'm missing here in terms of election questions? No, like, I think uh, you know by March third, we'll have a lot of answers. Who's so March fourth? Who who's left standing on the Democrat side? You already said uh, certainly um, Sanders. You think maybe Biden will kind of just hold out for for whatever? Well, I think Biden's going to see how he does in Super Tuesday. So he'll drop out if it's an annihilation, which it looks like it would be right now. So I think it's Bloomberg. I think it's Bernie, and I think that'd be it. You see any chance for a third party like a Bloomberg Romney weird thing? I mean, no. I mean, Romney got did get whatever 50 million votes and he hates trump does do any of those people ex-voters of mm -hmm. romney no so that's not a factor no, i don't think it's a factor at all so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting come november yeah i really think it'll be and you think it's a blowout right now as it stands you think it's a blowout trump is this a nixon mcgovern kind of yeah, blowout or it, reagan yeah, Mondale if kind the of blowout? election were held today <laughs> i think the president would get again over 300 electoral votes and I'm going by what the data is telling us right now. If I'm to add up the electoral math based on based on the polling data in some of these key states where, um, you know, it could swing either way. And you need 270 to win. 270. So, well, okay. Uh, will you come back after a few more around convention time? You should come back or maybe in a month or two just to yeah. kind of assess the, the, the ruins of what's going on sure. all around. Yeah, you may be making fun of me, uh, but I think it's, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm, Budajek the right won the nomination. What were you doing? <laughs> Andrew Yang came back yeah. and pulled us all. Uh, he won the right end. Andrew yeah. Yang won the right end. Uh, all right. Well, Phil Stutz, campaign manager extraordinaire. That's what I'm going to call you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, author of Fire Them Now, and you have a book also also coming out next January or February. What's that going to be called? Uh, it's called Undefeated, the secret formula that elects presidents and will grow your business every time. And by the way, what's interesting about you, Phil? Always, I always get insights into the elections, and I'm I've been I've been reading books about the elect all the elections since since I was in fourth grade. I read right. theater. Uh, Ted White's books on the making of the president, 1960, 64. Those were like, and then I, then Dasher about Carter mm. and, uh, and, and so on after that. Oh, fear and loathing on the campaign trail sure. in 72, Hunter S. Thompson. But, uh, thanks once again. And, oh, and the other thing is we're going to do another podcast because yeah. you're, you take your campaign strategies, all this data profiling, and you've been the first person to translate that over and you help companies now use these same techniques. And it's so innovative and it's amazing how much p people who do your style of marketing know about us right. like in terms of privacy and so on right so we're going to do another podcast in a second about that but thank you once again phil come back soon and and update us because i always like this topic sounds good The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley High Performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.